At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we kick off the new year, we invite you to tune into our current series, The Forgotten Virtue, Learning to Love Again, where we'll discover how God defines love, Christ personifies love, and the Spirit empowers us to love one another. Together, we'll experience healing and hope in the love God designed for us, a love we carry through every season of life. Oh, that was so good. Thank you for that. How many needed that? Oh, man, that was so good. Thank you, Lord, for that reminder. I'm so glad that God had came up with this great idea to say to the church, speak to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, because you're going to need it. Right? We're going to need those times to be reminded that God is reigning even in the midst of the struggles and the pain and the ashes. God reigns. Any kids still here? You're welcome to stay. If you want to go to Woodside Kids, this is a great time to do it. It's completely up to you. Uh, Margie and Cheryl are, are awesome at preparing a wonderful time of discipleship for our kids. We don't do child care at Woodside. Hope you know that. Uh, we do kids ministry. Uh, discipleship happens uh, as we care for our kids, knowing that uh, this is truly the age of formation. This is when worldviews are formed in their hearts. This is when they can comprehend these incredible truths that God is love and that he loves us and that we're to follow him and, and that God has loved us by sending his son. All those important truths um, that, that we need. Uh, and, and let me say this, I know uh, we kind of do an abbreviated kids ministry here while we're at Doc 421, but the time is coming when we will be back where full ministry can take place, and we do need a number of people that are serving in that area of kids ministry. I'm telling you, I don't know of a more strategic ministry for impacting the world than, than helping our kids know Jesus. Uh, so if you'd like to be a part of that, prepare now. Uh, we have a very uh, thorough process of preparing people to serve in kids' ministry. We do a background check to assure parents that uh, it is a safe place for them. Uh, we do training uh, for leaders and volunteers. So if you'd like to be a part of that, now is the time uh, to begin that, that time of preparation. So how do you do that? Well, you can talk to Joe and Drew in the back. Uh, fill out a communication card in, that's in your bulletin. Give that to him. Uh, we'll give that to the leaders. As you see Margie and Cheryl around, you can talk to them about it. As you see parents, um, talk to them about what kids' ministry is like, and I'm sure we'd fill you in very well on that. There it is. Don't you love it? And you miss out. Unless, of course, I'm able to wrap my way through the the sermon today. But no, we have a great opportunity to begin uh, a new series from the book of 1 John. If you've got your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn there. The book of 1 John. I think this is so timely for us. Um, have, you, have you ever kind of left the house, almost got to your destination and realized, oh, I forgot. Right, for me, often it's my computer. I do a lot of studying at the office, and most of my resources are on my computer, online or whatever. And so I get there, and, and there's times where I think, ah, I don't need my computer today. And I get oh, about a half hour into my day and realize, oh, yes, I do. All my contacts are there, and the way I communicate in a number of ways, I better just go home and get it. Or ever been to Kroger or your grocery store of choice, which I'm sure is Kroger. And, and you get all checked out, and you reach for your wallet, guys. Oh, no, now what do you do? 
You look around. No, you don't do that. No, you, you, you ask, hey, can, can I leave this here? I, I got to run home and get, get my wallet. Well, as we've thought through as church leaders, what does God want to say to us in our new year? What is his words for us? Uh, what is his desire for us to know as we go into a new year? That God led us to this book of 1 John. 1 John is a very foundational book written by one of the disciples, of course, the Apostle John. John wrote the Gospel of John, right? So it's the story of Jesus, kind of is a bit of his biography written so that you might know who Jesus is and by knowing you'd believe. John wrote the book of Revelation, right? God gave him a vision of things that are and in, in the things that will, will come. And so that's very informative for us. John was very key. He's called the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was part of this inner circle that when Jesus was going to experience something profound, he'd call just a small number of disciples around him. Often it was Peter, James, and John. So John knew Jesus very dearly. John was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these letters for us. He also wrote these little letters called 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Letters that were all what you would call general letters. In other words, he didn't write to like Danny Walker and then Danny decided to share it. No, he wrote this letter. Uh, maybe Danny Walker received it, but the intention was, Danny, you read it and then share it with, with John Mark and John Mark will take it to Bill and, and these households will read this letter. It will be a general letter of instruction and encouragement. But this letter has a central theme. And you can find the theme if you're looking at your Bibles in 1 John chapter 1. Look with me at verse 3. And if you're into underlining your Bible or if on your device, if you highlight, uh, this verse would be a very good one to highlight or underline. Because it gives us kind of really the heart of John's writing of let this letter. He says, that which we have seen and heard as disciples, as people that have met Jesus, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John says, the reason I'm writing to you is so that you can experience what we've experienced, fellowship with God. He wants us to not just know about Jesus, but that we can experience relationship with him. And if you have that relationship, you can know that you have this relationship with him. So it's all about knowing God. That's why he's writing. Our focus today is going to begin in chapter 2. In fact, our series that we've called The Forgotten Virtue, um, Returning to, to Love, our focus is going to be chapter 2 and chapter 3 because we have felt, as, as church leaders, that the year 2020 was filled with so much that it has been a tendency for us to experience it, maybe having neglected this primary call of loving one another. Sometimes when you're suffering, you become consumed with that journey of suffering and you've maybe neglected the need to care for other people. 
Or maybe where you've been burdened and frustrated and concerned. Maybe the concern for your country. Maybe the concern for our economy. When you're filled with concern, we can tend to lose sight of our primary call to love people. Or we've even forgotten how to love people. Where we've loved a concept, maybe we've loved freedom, we've loved our nation, we've loved uh, the, the ability to move around and gather when we want to, and now that's gone because we become so concerned with that, we've forgotten that actually God's called us to love one another. So that's our, that's our journey over these next six weeks. Bill had mentioned we're going to do a, a book study in our small groups. That It's not a study of 1 John, but it is a, a journey through Scripture to see that God has called us as His people to love one another where He's placed us. That where you live is not an accident. The community He's placed you in is not an accident. There's a, there's a kingdom purpose for it, and that's to love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? It's anybody God brings across your path. He's placed you in a community. You're surrounded by neighbors, and we're to love one another in that context. So that, I encourage you to, to be a part of a group. Again, as Bill said, if you're not part of one, this is a beautiful time to jump in. You could even, if you're concerned, well, I don't know how long I can make a commitment, just six weeks. And we're encouraging our groups to meet every week for the next six weeks. So, so that would be something we would ask. Can you just commit to as many of these next six weeks as you can? Uh, we'll find you a place that works in your schedule, is close to you, and you can grow with us together. As we look at chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 3. We will see this passage shows us that to know God is to love God. John wants us to know him, and in chapter 2, he says, so to know him, you're to love him. Verse 3 through 11 shows that there's really two attributes that will exist in a person's life who truly knows and loves God. So let's look at verse, look at verse 3. You'll see that to know him is to obey him. Verse 3, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, there's a lot of hymns and he's in this passage. You can look at the previous couple of verses and see that it's Jesus Christ the righteous who is the he and the him in those passages. By this we know that we have come to know Jesus if we keep Jesus' commandments. Here's, here's just a little lesson to file away as you're reading the Word of God. One of the ways to know a meaning of a passage that you're reading is to observe repeated words or phrases. As you're reading a passage, if you're trying to figure out, okay, what is the main point of this, look to see if there's any repeated phrases or, or words. In this passage, we see the word know repeated four times. It says, by this we know that we've come to know him. 
Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a lie, and truth is not in him. By this we may know that we are in him. So this knowing is a primary purpose of John's writing in this, in this section. Now, the word know that's used here can be, can be used for the idea of knowing facts, knowing intellectually something or someone. It can also be used to, to reflect the knowing by experience. And the context determines what kind of knowledge is described here. So, so let's think about this, uh, this passage. By this you can know that you know him, right? Know that you know. You can know him, but this is how you know that you know. So intellectual knowledge. Um, uh, we, we just got back from visiting Nancy's family in Pennsylvania. So that's 18 hours of driving, nine hours there, nine hours back. So I was able to experience a book, an autobiography, written by Shimon Peres, um, who was one of the prime ministers of Israel in their history. Um, I, 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 I'm excited. I get, if travel restrictions are lifted, I'm scheduled to actually travel to Israel this, this spring. Uh, in May, so I'm super excited about that. It's on my bucket list to actually walk where Jesus walked, and and maybe we get to do that. We'll see. Um, but the so the history of even modern day Israel has been very intriguing to me, and so I I chose his autobiography to read for a number of reasons. One, uh, Shimon Peres actually immigrated to Israel as an eight year old boy in 1938. If you know anything about Israel, it, ha- it was not a, a country from A.D. 70 or so all the way up until 1948. There was no country of Israel, no political system called Israel. But in the early 20th century, there was this movement to, in order to preserve the Jewish people, to establish a statehood. And so people began to immigrate back to this land of Palestine, this, this nation of, this, this land formerly um, where the people of Israel lived, people of, of the Jewish people lived. And so he came with his father and began to live there when there was no country. And then over the next 10 years, of course, World War II happens. Six million Jews are murdered by the German regime. And then at the conclusion of World War II, there was, there was this experience of finally establishing a statehood called the Nation of Israel. So when that happened, he was about 20 years old and became a young leader in this very young nation. So he was able to experience this Nation of Israel from when it just started, before it even started, when it just started, until he lived, um, he, he, he ended his political career when he was in the late 80s. So he experienced all the history of modern-day Israel, up close and personal. What an intriguing story this was. And when I finished that book as I was pulling into Mount Clemens uh, area, it was, it, it was this experience of, oh, now I know. I mean, I've heard the name Shimon Perez, but I didn't know anything about him. Now I know him. Well, 
I know some of them. I, I, I know a little bit of experience of the agricultural transformation, economic, uh, military transformation, and industrial, and um, the uh, intellectual transformation that happened over these last 70, 100 years in that region. But I don't really know them. I've never met them. But I read about people that do. So I read about his wife. Sophia and his two children and his political comrades and people that fought alongside of him and such things. So I've been introduced to people that really know him, but I just know of him. John says, I'm writing these things to you not so that you just know about him, but so that you can know that you know him. You can truly experience him, Jesus because he's risen from the dead, because he's alive today, because of his Holy Spirit that indwells believers, you can truly know, not just about Jesus, you can know him. You can know about him. I mean, praise God for this beautiful gift called the scripture. I hope you don't take this for granted, that God has given to us this special revelation about himself and his son, his plan of redemption. God has treasured this to you. In this, you can learn about him. You can learn of him, which is an important part of knowing that you know him. So treasure this. Maybe that's a, that's a New Year's resolution that would be worthy of making. That Maybe you don't know enough about him, and that intellectual knowledge is a good thing. But it doesn't just stop with the intellectual knowledge. In fact, I was moved as I read this week Paul's words to the Philippians in, in chapter 1. He says that my greatest goal, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to know him and his power. In other words, I want to experience him. Now, there's another key word in the passage we just read. I told you that look for repeated words, right? One of them is no four times in that verse. But let's look back up here. I've got a, we've got a, a prize for the first person that finds the other key word in this passage, a word that's repeated. All right, online too. I'll go back and look at comments and find out who was the first one to put in a message, the key word in this passage. All right, so find it. What is the as soon as you see it, call it out. Him is repeated often, very true. Commandments, his word. There it is, the word keep. There's an action word, right? Here's what he's calling us to do, that we keep his commandments, that we keep his words. So there's this idea of knowing him by keeping his words, knowing him by keeping his commandments. How do you know that you know? Are you keeping his commandments? Now, that word keep implies, one, on one hand, an observe, observing it, that you keep it, you abide by it, right? Do you keep the law? What does that mean? Well, that means you abide by the law. But there's another aspect to that word, which is to guard, like a treasure. So the implication of John's word is 
as he writes to us, he says, the tendency is that you'll lose track of it. So to know Jesus is to keep track of his words, to keep track of his commandments, to consistently, as you live your life, examine it to see if truly you are living according to his values and his instructions. This is how you can know that you know him if you obey him. Not only growing in your intellect of who he is, but also in your ability to live out his values and his truths. Philippians 1.20 said, It is my eager hope and expectation that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my life. He says, I want to know Christ, but here's my goal. That at this moment, when it looks like I may be executed for my faith, that in the end, it will be seen that Christ was honored now as well as when things were good. It is my goal that I keep his commandments, his word, so that when I go through the worst of human trials, still I'll keep it. If I'm experiencing the best of times, still I'll keep his word. That's how I know that I know that I know him. Secondly, if we truly know him, the passage says that we will love the people that he loves. Do you know Jesus? Well, here's, here's one way you can determine if you truly do know. You know him if you love the people that he loves. Verse 7, Beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is that the word that you have heard is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. John says this isn't a new commandment. This is what we've been told from the beginning. God has instructed us to love one another. But in a way it is new because now we've seen it in action. He says the light has come and has been amongst us. We've seen what it means to love one another. Probably referring to the times when Jesus sees a whole crowd of people that are hungry and he says, well, let's, let's, do what we have. let's invest what we have to feed hungry people. That when he sees the sick, he, he invests into them to provide what he has to heal them. When the disciples gather around and his betrayer is there and the one that would deny him is there, Jesus still wraps himself with a towel and takes a basin of water and washes their feet. And Jesus has shown them what it means to love. When Jesus gives the wonderful story of the Good Samaritan, where he asks them, what's it mean to love your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? This is your neighbor, even the, your enemy. You've heard it said to love one another. I'm telling you, love your enemy and pray for him and bless him. So Jesus, being the true light, 
has now entered the world. We've seen what love really is. And we know that we know Jesus if we're walking in that light. How do you walk in the light? You love people. You love the people that Jesus loves. How do you know if you're in darkness? You see there's grudges and bitterness and tensions between people. When you, when you allow anger to harbor in your heart, you can know that you have stepped out of his light and into darkness. And darkness is blinding. And it's evidence that you don't know that you know him. I just spent, as I said, a week with Nancy's family. And here's what I've noticed over the years, of 30-some years of being around Nancy's family, is that my wife feels my love for her when she sees my love for her family. Have you noticed that? Those of you that are married, that have extended family, right? Now, some of us are blessed to be married into a family that's easier to love than maybe some other people. However, we all have our idiosyncrasies. How many here would say probably you have less than idiosyncrasies and issues than other people? Can I see your hand? Yeah, yeah, that's all of us. <laughs> right? We all have our shortcomings, the things that we do that, we are, that feel normal to us but are kind of annoying to other people, maybe, right? The best of us have those things. So when you're around a family, you experience some of those things, you have a choice to accept them, honor them, don't make a big deal, continue to love, or be annoyed, mention it, grumble and complain. We have that choice. Here's what I observed. When I embrace love and laugh and enjoy people of my in-laws family, my wife feels my love. When she, when, I, when she watches me love her family and enjoy her family, she feels that security of love. And I feel the same. When she loves my family, when she enjoys my family, I experience the security of love. So that's the human dimension, but it reflects the spiritual dimension where God says to us, if you love me, you'll love one another. In fact, this is a litmus test. There are two. One, are you keeping my commandments? Are you, are you honoring my word? Are you following my instructions? If so, that's evidence that truly you do love me. Secondly, if you love the people that I love, you are showing me love. You'll see later in the passage, this is a concept that comes back again and again over these next six weeks. You'll see that if a person says, I love God, but you don't love the person that you can see, you don't love God. Because how can you love God who you can't see if you're not loving the person who you can see? Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? It will be shown by how you're keeping his will and by how you're loving other people. And I'm sure as we, as we think of the spectrum of people in this room and watching online, it's a wide spectrum. I'm sure there are some here who 
maybe you're on this side of the spectrum, that you're just kind to everybody. That's what you do. In fact, you wake up in the morning thinking about who you can show kindness to. Maybe at the neglect of some of the things that should be done, you are busy and consumed with caring for the needs of people in need. That's just how you, who you are. But maybe you're neglecting this side over here where knowing him, loving him, does involve learning who he is. Involving learning his attributes and what his plan is for your life and what his plan is for the future. To, to experience the teachings of his word so that you can grow intellectually about him as well as in application of how to love. So maybe there's some in this spectrum that need to go into this year thinking, you know what, I just need to study more. I need to read more. I need to learn more because I'm, I've been so busy trying to do that I haven't learned who he is. And then maybe there's some people on this side of the spectrum that you love to study. You love to read. And what kind of bugs you is when you have to put it down and actually go out and be with people. In fact, it's hard for you to even think what do people need because you don't know because you're enjoying studying. So maybe in that side of the spectrum, you need to go into this year thinking, okay, I want to know that I know him, which means not only just knowing intellectually, I need to know experientially by loving people, by spending time with them, by learning what it requires to be patient and honoring one another, to consider the needs of other people more important than my own. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? This is John's longing desire for all of us, that we know him. What have you neglected? None of us have arrived. All of us are on a journey of learning to love him, learning to know him. And here's the cool thing that we have a person to follow. He hasn't given us just this conceptual thing and said, just go figure it out. He's actually said, here's what I'll do. I'll come to earth and I'll show you what it means to love one another. And then follow me. Just follow me. Follow what I've done. Express those values in your life and you'll see what it means to know God. In fact, we'd like to spend a moment together celebrating this incredible example. We're going to celebrate communion together. Philippians chapter 2 in verse, verse 5 says this, So have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Let's prepare ourselves to celebrate communion together. Let's prepare ourselves by thinking deeply of what Jesus would have been required of Jesus for him to give his life on the cross. He would have had to let go of the splendor of heaven. Not only, 
not simply just to come to earth, but to humble himself to experience the agony of this earth. He experienced poverty and hunger. He experienced relational rejection, political oppression. He experienced the agony of sickness as he watched his close friends suffer and die. Jesus, as he humbled himself, again, letting go of the splendor of heaven and stepping into a place where he accepted the limitations of human life, when people falsely accused him, he remained silent. Because the will of his Father was for him to take all of the sins, not that he committed, but that you committed, and I committed, and the world committed, place it all on himself, as he offered himself as a sacrifice for us. And Paul says that's the attitude we need to have. When you consider, do I love one another? Ask yourself, am I willing to give up my rights and my comfort so that I can serve the needs of people? Let's pray. Let's ask God to examine our hearts as we prepare for communion. Father, would you remind us again of the price that you paid for our salvation? Lord, you didn't do it simply to provide a way of living. You did it ultimately to provide greater glory as the world would see what love truly is and, and what redemption is and how you can provide redemp that redemption, Lord. But in the process, you have given to us an example of what true love is really like. So as we partake of the bread, Lord, I pray that it would be a reminder of what brokenness really means. As we partake of the, of the cup, I pray that it would remind us of the price that love entails. And that, Lord, as we celebrate our cleansing that you've provided, Lord, may it provide us a pattern to follow. So we ask that you would continue to transform us with the gospel as we celebrate communion together. So speak to us as we experience this time with your church. In Jesus' name, amen. The elements will be distributed to you. We encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus, to take one of those. In that little container is a, um, is a small wafer. You can find that by removing that top layer of cellophane. When you get that cup, feel free to do that. When the Apostle Paul instructed the Corinthian church in observing communion or the Lord's table, 
he urged them to use it as a time to examine themselves, to examine how they were living to the body, to see if there is any way, was any offense to the body. A lot of times we think of the body of Christ, which there's truth to that as far as are we honoring his name. But I think the, the immediate implication of that is the body of Christ, but fellow believers. Is there any action or lack of action that has dishonored the family of God? Is there any grudge that's being held? Is there, is there any neglect of the needs of others? Has God called you to serve him by serving others and, and you've just you've refused the opportunity because you're more concerned about, about yourself? So he calls us to examine ourselves. So let's, let's do that right now. Let's, let's consider, Lord, search our heart to see if there in any way has been a lack of love towards, towards one another. Maybe it's a spouse or a family member. Maybe it's somebody that didn't show up to do their job. You had to cover for them. Maybe it's a time when you were hurting and someone didn't call. If God brings something to the mind, I encourage you to do as Jesus said, to leave your gift there at the altar and go and find forgiveness in Christ. Purpose your, in your heart to make it right with one another. We know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Maybe, maybe the Spirit of God is pointing out an area in your life where you just have refused to make it right. Which is evidence that you don't know him like you maybe think you do. Confess that to God. If any man sin, we know that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You'll find cleansing if you confess. Having examined ourselves, let's celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus together. Let's take that little wafer. At night, Jesus was that Jesus was betrayed. He took bread and he broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Let's remember Jesus together. Remove that next layer of foil. We're able to see the Jews provided for us which reminds us of the new covenant in Jesus' blood. That his, his blood was shed in payment for our sin. And we have a place at his table because of his cleansing. Not because of our good deeds, but because of what he's done. Let's remember Jesus together. The same way he took the cup and blessed it and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. And we'll do that until he comes. Is he coming this year? Maybe.
That'd be pretty awesome. But there's too many people that don't know him. So if he could wait just a little bit longer, give us opportunity to shine for him more brightly, maybe to share with a loved one or a neighbor, it'd be great. But he's going to come. Let's be ready. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for giving us opportunity to celebrate what you've done for us now, Lord. We want to live that out. We want to live as a living sacrifice for you. So continue to form us and transform us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.